The Business of Comic Books Publishers have always been more interested in selling copies of their publications than in advancing the status of comics as an art form. It is this commercial concern that made comic books a pillar of the mass periodical industry in North America until the start of the 1960s. Distributed at the start of the 1930s wherever periodicals were sold, comics magazines benefited from a large-scale visibility that was the source of its initial success and its subsequent failure. Among North American print periodicals, comic books had a particular status. Their survival depended to a much greater degree on their sales than on their advertising receipts. The big magazines of the first half of the 20th century, such as Saturday Evening Post, Collier's, and Harper's Bazaar, derived the majority of their revenue from paid advertisements. Thus, they were able to maintain low retail prices because of the fact that advertising occupied more space than the writing in each issue. These magazines entered into a downward phase after the Second World War, when new types of magazines like TV Guide and Playboy attracted the attention of advertisers to the detriment of general interest magazines whose sales remained stable. At the same time, the advertisements placed in comic books provide an essential element for understanding the evolution of comic book readership, at least from the point of view of the publishers. Advertising From the beginning, comic books carried little advertising. In the spring of 1938, Action Comics No. 1 had as its only advertising content a headline occupying the bottom third of page 13, promoting Superman, and one page of ads for gadgets on the back cover. In the following year, Detective Comics No. 27 offered seven pages of diverse advertisements. Of the 68 pages, including the cover that made up the first comic books, this proportion of advertisements to content, close to a tenth, remained more or less constant, in contrast to the periodical norm in which half, if not more, of the available space was commonly occupied by advertising. During the war, as demonstrated by the examples between 1941 and 1943, advertising for publishers' other titles began to rise, partly because the lines filled out rapidly, and partly because the wartime economy had placed a halt on the offer of new consumer goods. In the earliest comic books, advertisements were similar to those published in the pulps, gadgets, novelties, muscle development manuals, and stamp collections. It was at the start of the war, when the juvenile audience took on a new importance in the eyes of the publishers, that ads for candies, non-alcoholic drinks and breakfast cereals first began to appear. In the meantime, dietary companies that manufactured products geared at youth directed themselves toward the all-ages comics of Fawcett and DC, rather than to those of Fiction House or Marvel, which were more likely to contain sex and violence. After the war, the emergence of titles aimed at a female audience led to the introduction of ads for beauty products, 
clothes, and seduction manuals into comic books. In parallel, the growth of comic books aimed at a clientele of adolescents and young adults, such as the crime and horror comics, led to an equivalent expansion of advertising for various products that were seemingly irresistible to their users, including a tie on which was written in glow-in-the-dark letters the phrase, Will You Kiss Me in the Dark, Baby? and muscle manuals. The latter were omnipresent in comics until the end of the 1970s, at which point they became an inevitably parodic element of comic books. <laughs>